All right, well, thankful to be with you tonight. Um, thankful for the, for the good crowd on a Monday. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning to Psalms 34, Psalm 34, and that's where we're going to, that's where we're going to stay tonight. I'm sure you're going to get um, several messages from this psalm this week. Most of your Bible studies will touch on aspects of this psalm. Um, what I would like to do tonight is, um, first off, not fall off the stage. What I would like to do tonight is for us to, um, to look at this psalm as a whole and maybe think of it as just kind of skimming over the top of the psalm. Uh, trying to make application uh, to the fact that we, uh, one of the reasons that we've been given the Psalms in particular, we could say this to some extent about all of Scripture, but we can say it about the Psalms in a way that it is particularly true, is that we want to find ourselves in Psalm 34. So when we're thinking about the Psalms, it's poetic literature, um, the psalmist here is giving us one snapshot of what it looks like to live the life of faith. So when I say that, it's just important for us to realize that the psalms, and, and you need to understand what I'm saying, uh, so listen to the whole thing before you gasp. The psalms are not where you would go to build your theology. Okay? It's not because the psalms don't have theology. But the Psalms are where you're going to go to see how that theology is lived out. The Psalms, they're where, they're where you're going to go where you can um, see the psalmist not necessarily make this, some of them you might, but Psalm 34 you're not. You're not going to hear the psalmist try to unpack anything about the sovereignty of God. And yet if you pay attention, you will see that the sovereignty of God is written all over Psalm 34. So it's very helpful to keep in mind that the Psalms were not written simply to dispense information. Uh, they were written really to invite us to participation with the psalmist as we live our lives. So Psalm 34 that we're going to be looking at this week, the theme of camp, A Faithful God in Troubled Times. Brothers and sisters, hopefully um, as we continue on through the week, um, it will become more and more clear we did not mean for this to be some sort of an uh, abstract gaze at these truths about who God is as if he were some um, concept in a museum somewhere that's fascinating that we can talk about and agree on. But Psalm 34 really does lay out for us this picture of a God who is attentive, a God who is not far away but near to his people in times of trouble and a God who is very, very active in our lives through difficulties, hard times, and just in general. So again, the, the goal is to kind of just get us oriented with Psalm 34, hopefully to be able to connect a few dots as to where we can find ourselves in this psalm. First off, I would just say this, it's always helpful if you're going to read a psalm and, and 119 might be, a, you know, you might have to take a little bit extra time to do this. But, but if you're in the Psalms, you should read each of these as a whole. Okay, Psalm 34, it's only 22 verses. Um, 
So that one's not too bad. But just so you know, if you're doing your quiet time this week, don't, don't divide it up. Don't do one through seven one day. And, and you know, Take the full 30 seconds it's going to take you to make it through 22 verses because it's telling one whole story. There's one whole um, thought that's being played out here in Psalm 34. You can split it up into two parts. Psalm 34, if you were to think about it structurally, what we have is a song, S-O-N-G, a song and a sermon, a song and a sermon. Verses 1 through 10 are a song of praise. Verses 11 through 22 are a sermon, or is a sermon, where you are being um, exhorted to grow in and walk in the fear of the Lord. And if you see that, uh, if you take a look, you'll see it really does unfold nicely there uh, in that division. 1 through 10 is a song. 11 through 22 is a sermon. Now that's just for structure. That's just helping you out as you read it. For me, those things are always helpful. I want to talk tonight in, in big concepts about what this psalm is about as we just walk our way through. So let's, let's read the first three verses. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 34 is a psalm about praising God. You see that very clearly as we begin in these first three verses. One of the things that you'll notice is the language that the psalmist uses here. Wouldn't it be wonderful if after this week, every one of us were to grow in the discipline of praising God? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, nobody's shaking their head, but I know you think it would be if you're here. Yeah, it would be good. Okay, That would be a great thing for us to grow in. Um, to be more, um, more active in praising God, more vocal about praising God, more attentive when it comes to praising God. Let me ask you this, and this really is a participation type thing, so you can, you can raise your hand if you want, or if you're too cool you can raise your finger, but participate with me a little bit. How many people think that today you received at least five blessings from God? Okay, hands down. How many people think that it would be an exaggeration? Maybe I shouldn't say it that way because I'm going to mess up the hands up. How many people think that you've received at least 100 blessings from God today? Okay, hands down. And we could go on, but we're going to burn time. But you get the point that I'm making. Now, if that's the case, and I believe it is the case, I think 100 is way too low. Um, now the question is, keep your hands down. Okay, you can raise your hand in your heart if you want to. How many people took the time to praise God five times today? How many people took the time to praise God a hundred times today? My hand's down, by the way. I'm not up here, you know, talking down to you. That's just that's the way we are. Well, one of the things that I want you to notice about Psalm 34 is the language that David uses. Listen again. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul 
shall make her boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Do you hear the language there? The psalmist says, I will, I shall, let us exalt the Lord, praise the Lord, magnify the Lord. The point that I want to make here is that this is a psalm about someone who is very intentional about praising God. How many people today were hungry at least two times? Okay. And then, hands down, how many people ate at least two meals? Well, how about that? How many people knew you were going to eat two meals yesterday before you even got here? Yeah, me too, by the way. I didn't raise my hand, but I'm in there. Um, you want to know why? Because over time we've just disciplined ourselves to eat that way. You, you know the verse of Scripture that says, Thou shalt eat three meals a day? Yeah, it's not there, is it? But most of us eat three meals a day. You want to know why? Because from a young child we've been disciplined to do that, and we, we do that just out of routine. Now, that doesn't mean it's not meaningful when we do it, because sometimes we can think about habits and routines as if the only thing that could ever be meaningful to the Lord is some sort of a spontaneous, unplanned expression of something. No, not true. I enjoyed supper tonight, and I planned on eating it before I got here. Okay, the psalmist plans on praising God, exalting God, boasting in the Lord before he ever gets there. He has made up his mind. He has decided that this will be a discipline that I exercise in my life. And the reason that this is going to be the case, well, the rest of the psalm kind of unfolds for us. Because when he sought the Lord, the Lord heard him and delivered him. We'll get to that in a minute. The first point, really, that I want to make here is that this is a psalm that encourages us to cultivate the discipline of praising God on a daily basis. I want you to notice one other development in the psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. You notice how the psalmist moves from personal praises to inviting you to come in and praise God corporately with Him. You notice that? Brothers and sisters, every single one of God's children has a testimony. Right? Every single one of God's children has a reason to give praise. And we've been singing together tonight, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing to do. It's a blessing to do that. At some point this week, we'll have a time of testimony where people will get up and they will share what the Lord has, has done for them, and that's definitely an aspect of, of praise. But one of the things that praise will do for me and for you is that it will strengthen our faith as we begin to discover it's not just me. I've got all these other people out here that have gone through the same kinds of hardships, the same kinds of struggles, or maybe they are currently in the same kind of struggle that I'm in right now, and God is sustaining them, God has sustained them, God has delivered them, and when we find ourselves in corporate praise, then our hearts begin to become encouraged, sustained, 
and we find the endurance we need to move forward. Now, that's only if what we're talking about here is something personal, right? It's something that's real. And so, it's a psalm of praise. Number two, let's look at verses four through six. The psalmist says, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Not only is this a psalm about praising God, but this is a psalm about seeking God. You notice verse 4? I sought the Lord. Verse 6, this poor man cried out. Now the emphasis really that I want to hit in this section is not necessarily what the psalmist is doing, but I want to uh, turn your attention to why it is and what it was that pressed on the psalmist in such a way that he begins to seek the Lord, he begins to cry out to the Lord, And he realizes God is what he needs. The Lord is what he must have. If you look in verses 4 and 6, you'll see that his seeking and his crying are directly connected to the troubles and fears that he experienced in his life. You see that in the text? Brothers and sisters, it may be, more than likely it is, That many of you, tonight, for sure, all of us in the future, are going to be faced with troubles and we're going to be faced with fears. And did you know that's just a normal part of living in a fallen world? I mean, we we, we live in a a world right now, we live in a culture right now where, where somehow, some way, it's become a popular thought that if I'm sad... If, if, I'm, if I've got some sort of a prolonged sadness, if I have heavy pressures on me from life, if there are fears that weigh me down, that that's a unique situation that most people just don't deal with. You know that's a big whopping lie? It is. If you live life long enough in a fallen world, the world is going to fall on you. Circumstances that you could have never foreseen. Things are going to happen in your life that you did not sign up for, and things are going to happen in your life, and you're going to have absolutely no idea what to do, how to respond, or you're not going to have any idea how these things are going to end. And if you can connect the dots between Psalm 34 and your life, then when you get to that moment and you have absolutely no idea what to do with the troubles that have come your way, you're going to seek the Lord. You're going to cry out to the Lord. And Psalm 34 is an encouragement to us in that because here's the reality. Verse 4, I sought the Lord and what? He heard me. Can you believe that? He heard me. The God of the universe, the sovereign of the universe, who is sustaining all things right now through the word of his power. David says, when I sought him, he didn't say, I'll get around to you when I have time. He didn't say, bear up under it a little while, David, and I'll get to you when I'm ready. He heard me. The God of the universe, who is so personal and so relational with his people, David says, he heard me and then He delivered me from all of my fears. 
that that's a it's a it's really a beautiful phrase. He delivered me from all of my fears. That's different than saying he delivered me from all of my troubles. You know, fears are those troubles that we think are coming but never make it to us. Fears are those troubles that that maybe it, we have good reason to believe are coming, but they're not there yet. Okay, we're foreseeing some things. Well, brothers and sisters, we're living right now in a political climate where there are tons of fears. We're living right now in a nation that is paralyzed with fear. And Psalm 34, if we will allow it, will point us to the Lord who delivers His people from all their fears. Now, He may deliver us from them and He may deliver us through them, but He's a God who delivers His people. Verse 5 says, when they looked unto him, they were lightened. That is, uh, there are other translations that say their face shined. They were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. You know, there's all kinds of different sources of hope and trust in the world that we live in that are, these horse flies are getting me, these, uh, that, are, that are buying for your trust and your attention And if you're not careful, that's exactly where you'll put them. If you're not careful, you really will believe that the most important thing that could happen to you in 2024 is if Trump wins. Now, you're laughing. If he runs, I'm going to vote for him. So I'm not anti-Trump. But I will tell you this. We'll still live in a fallen world. Some of us may think that the best thing that could possibly happen to us is a red wave in November. We are so short-sighted if we really believe that. If you can't see that the political world has been on a roller coaster since day one, I don't know what to tell you. Psalm 34 would point us to a better source. Psalm 34 would tell you to get off of social media and turn off the news and begin to seek the Lord. Because the Lord is the one who will deliver you from your fears. And the Lord is the one who knows how to deliver you from your troubles. So we said fears are those things that we anticipate that never make their way to us. Our troubles are not. Troubles are things that come in and you feel the pain. You feel the sting. Your heart is actually crushed by the weight of the pressures that fall on you. And yet the psalmist says here, This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him, and he saved him out of all of his troubles. Again, brothers and sisters, in a fallen world, there's all kinds of troubles. There's all kinds of difficulties. You may be in them right now, and you may say, Brother Lewis, I've had troubles for months, maybe even years. I've been calling on the Lord, and it doesn't seem like anything's happening. Now what? Well, the answer is keep calling on him. Keep crying out. Keep seeking Him. And we're going to see why in just a minute as we go down through this psalm. But the psalmist is a man who doesn't say, I prayed one time and God delivered me from all my troubles. He says, I cried out. I sought Him. I continued to seek the face of the Lord. And He was faithful to do what He promised to do. You know, whenever we find ourselves in troubles and difficulties, our hearts can become consumed with all kinds of questions, can't they? 
And when I say this, I don't say this as some sort of a way to say it's silly. It's, it's, it's something that's real. We see it in the Psalms all the time. The Psalms wonder, the, the, uh, the psalmist wonders uh, several times. We think about Psalm 88, Psalm 13, Psalm 77. Lord, where are you? How long? How long is this going to last? How long are you going to make me endure such a difficulty, such troubles as these that I've come into? Many times we can wonder, why me? Why me? But brothers and sisters, if you're in the midst of troubles and difficulties and fears tonight, have you considered the fact that God may be using these fears and troubles as an opportunity for you to draw near to Him in a way that you never have before? Have you considered that? If you haven't, that's the most important thing you could be considering right now. Did you know that God is in the habit of using troubles to draw His people closer? God is in the habit of using fears and difficulties and trials to put pressure on His people to wean them from the idols that they, that they just attach their hearts to in the world Amen. and to draw them closer to Himself. Amen. And so, this is a psalm about praising God. This is also a psalm about seeking God. He did it with... Uh, he did this with Paul. I'm not going to turn here, but 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 7 through 12. You know this, this uh, part of the, of the text. Paul was given a thorn in the flesh. He asked God three times to take it away. And you remember what God's answer was? My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Paul tasted grace at that point like he had never tasted it before. To the extent that he would end that section by saying, rather than asking God to take this infirmity away, I will glory in this infirmity. Because when I'm weak, He is strong. You know, brothers and sisters, we, we all love the idea of Christ having a more prominent place in our life, don't we? But the reality is, in order for that to happen, we have to let go of a lot of things that we love. And many times it takes troubles, trials, and difficulties for God to, to, to loosen the grasp that we have on those things that we just refuse to acknowledge we could live without. And so, this man cried out, the Lord heard me, delivered me from all my fears. Psalm about seeking God. Number three, verses seven and eight. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. And delivereth them, O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. So it's a psalm about praise. It's a psalm about seeking. Brothers and sisters, this is a psalm about trusting. It's a psalm about trusting. That's a little phrase we use quite often. But what does it mean to trust God? I mean, could you put that in a sentence? If you had to explain that to somebody, what does it mean? What does it mean to trust God? Sometimes that can be a little bit elusive. It's maybe not as difficult as it seems, but sometimes we talk about it without really thinking about it. Sometimes we say, you know, I'm just, I'm just trying to trust the Lord. And somebody could come up and say, well, what exactly is it about God that you're trying to trust right now? And we wouldn't have a thing in the world to say. 
Because we think about trust and we think about having faith a lot like the hippies did in the 1960s. It sounds good, but it doesn't really mean anything. Okay, did you know that revelation and information are a prerequisite to trust? In other words, did you know that if you do not know anything about God that He's revealed in Scripture, you cannot trust Him? You just can't do it because you don't know what to trust. That's, that's one of the reasons why it is so important for you to have a grasp as a Christian, for you, for you to have a grasp of the character of God, of the attributes of God, for you to know who God is and what it is that God has actually said about Himself. If you don't, this whole business of trusting God when life is difficult is probably not going to be an area that you're growing in. You know what difficulties do to us, don't you? They typically turn us in on ourselves. We become consumed with us. Psalm 77 is a good example of that. The psalmist in Psalm 77 is in a difficult, difficult trial If you read that psalm, I think it's in the first six verses, the word I, me, my is repeated 16 times. And then the psalmist comes to the conclusion as he begins to ask the question, Lord, are your mercies clean gone? Have you forgotten to be merciful? If you don't know that psalm, you should go spend a little bit of time there. The problem is not with God, it's not with God's faithfulness, it's not even with God's mercy. The problem is that the psalmist has gotten to a place there in Psalm 77 where he wants relief, a very specific type of relief. And unless God caters his mercy to the psalmist's preference, he'll never be able to acknowledge that he's actually receiving a blessing from God. Have you ever been there? You ever been in a trial where the pressure was on so uh, heavy that the only thing you could possibly imagine God would do if he were merciful would be to remove that from you? And then we begin to move into seasons where we say, I just feel feel distant from God. The Lord's not hearing my prayers. I feel like my prayer life is dry. And really the problem is not necessarily that the Lord isn't providing. The problem is we've put God in a box and we've said, unless you give me what I want, how I want it, when I want it, I won't acknowledge anything you've given me as being good or merciful. Somebody besides me shake your head. You've been there before? Yeah, of course you have. We all have. This is a psalm about trusting the God who actually exists, not the God we wish we had when we're in a tight spot. And so in order for us to participate in this, to grow in this, brothers and sisters, we must know Scripture. We must know what God has said about Himself. And when we do, you will find that your troubles are an opportunity to strengthen your trust in Christ. And the question becomes, what will we do with that opportunity? What will we do with that opportunity? Again, in a fallen world, troubles are a given. They're a given. The question is, what are you going to do when they come? And Psalm 34 really does lay out a very challenging but a very beautiful picture of the life of faith as we're living off of our past blessings and anticipating those future blessings as we seek the Lord. So we said it's a psalm of praise. We said that it is a a psalm about seeking God, a psalm about trusting God. 
verses 9 through 16, this is a psalm about growing in the fear of the Lord. About growing in the fear of the Lord. Look in verse 9. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. Now, the word want there is like Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It doesn't mean you'll never want anything. What it means is that those who fear the Lord will have their needs provided for. He will give you what you need. You will not be left desolate. You will not be left without provisions from the Lord. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, you children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Again, a psalm about the fear of the Lord. We go through troubles, trials, heavy pressures. We can become so consumed with our own pains. We can become so consumed with our own desires. We can become so consumed and even make an idol out of relief. And by that, I don't mean you shouldn't want to find relief. When I'm, when I'm hurting, I want relief. It's a normal thing to want relief. But it becomes idolatrous when we say, Lord, I demand relief. I refuse to acknowledge anything good you're doing until you give me relief. Okay, Psalm 34 is kind of a little gentle knock on our window that says, wake up and remember who you're dealing with. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, part of what it means... It's just simply that we take God seriously. Now, we could say a whole lot about that. We could call, talk about the reverential fear, fear. We could talk about the fear and trembling. And all those kinds of things are appropriate. But, but just for our purposes as a flyby, it's just taking God seriously. So do we take God seriously whenever He says that His saints who fear Him, for those saints, there is no want to them that fear Him. In other words, as they're going through difficult times, as they're going through hard troubles and they are wrestling through their fears, those who fear the Lord will find God's provisions sufficient as they walk through difficult times God's way rather than our way. Now, it's kind of funny what the, the, uh, what the psalmist gives here as far as what it means to fear the Lord and those who would desire life and love many days and would see good. You know, what do you think, what do you think he would, as he sets you up, you might not think he's going where he's going. If you love many, uh, if you love long days and you desire life, what would you do? Well, first off, the psalmist says, watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. Watch what you say. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking guile. You think he's referring to the way we speak to one another or the way we speak to the Lord? That's a trick question. It's both. Okay? It's both. Many times we can, again, become exasperated whenever God is not on our timeline and God's agenda is not our agenda. 
and we would never stand up at a public worship service and chew God out in front of everybody. You would probably never even do that in your private prayer time. But brothers and sisters, if you're unaware of the fact that you've done that a million times in your head as you've been frustrated going from one thing to the next in your daily routine, pay closer attention next time you're upset and see what it is you're saying to yourself. And then pay attention to who it is you're actually saying it about. The other thing that the psalmist would have us to keep a watch on is the way that we interact with one another. Keep your lips from evil. Keep your tongue from evil. Have you noticed something, those of you who have gone through difficult times? Have you noticed how clumsy people can be when they try to bring comfort? They are. You are too when you try to bring comfort to other people. It's hard to know what to say, isn't it? It's hard to know whether you should say something or not say something. As a matter of fact, as someone who's on the receiving end of that, sometimes it's hard to know whether you want somebody to say something or not say something. Sometimes it's difficult to know uh, from one minute to the next what would be appropriate and what wouldn't be appropriate. And one of the things that we're being uh, instructed uh, to keep in mind here is that if we would fear the Lord, we would not take offense to every little clumsy word that someone says to us in our difficulties and in our trials, but we would keep our tongues from evil. Now, that's we, what we talked about were, were clumsy words. Then you get into just complete false accusations. You get into people who are trying to interpret your troubles for you and they know how you made your own bed and you need to lay in it and they come up with all these wild things. Well, what do we do then? Well, you better keep your tongue from evil, right? Watch what you say. Why? Well, if you take God seriously, then as we go down, you're going to realize that the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and the face of the Lord is turned against them that do evil. So we could camp out here for a little bit, but we've got to keep moving. Fearing the Lord means that we obey what we hear. We're going to be a doer of the Word, not just a hearer of the Word. It means we're going to seek to walk in His ways. It also means this. It also means that as we go through troubles, we're going to realize that we have an opportunity to, to grow in our walk. The question is, what will you do with that opportunity? I realize that's typically not the number one priority on your list when you're hurting. Psalm 34 says we need to rearrange our priorities. All right, lastly, this is number five. So we said it's a psalm about praise. It's a psalm about seeking the Lord. It's a psalm about trusting God. It's a psalm about growing in the fear of the Lord. And then lastly, verses 17 through 22 this is a psalm about a faithful God who is attentive and near to his people. Verse 17, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. 
The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Isn't that, isn't that beautiful? I mean, you could just take that portion and just read it again and again and again and again. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. I don't want to harp here too long, but you realize that what the psalmist is communicating here in Psalm 34, 17 is the complete opposite of what you think is happening on social media whenever you air out your troubles, whenever you throw your opinions out there, when you save the country with a single post that nobody reads and cares about. Okay. The Lord hears when you cry out. Isn't that something? He delivers. And so, brothers and sisters, Psalm 34 is a psalm that lets us know that our troubles are an opportunity for us to know the love of God in a way that we've never known it before. You see, the reality is, Psalm 34 is about me, and it's about you if you've come to know the Lord. Psalm 34 really is the biography of every single one of God's children. He's a God who is near to those who are suffering. He is a God whose ear is open, whose eye is on, and whose, whose attention is, um, is focused on His children during those difficult times. And so we started this way and we'll end this way. Everybody who's born in a fallen world is going to experience troubles. Okay? It's, not, it's not unique. It's not special as far as no one else does this. But everyone who's born into a fallen world will not walk through those experiences with the Lord. For God's children, we have the unique privilege to know that there's a purpose in every single trial we will ever walk through. And part of that purpose is that God is unfolding more and more and more and more of who He is, of His faithfulness, of His goodness, of His kindness. And the other side of that is, as we close, brothers and sisters, I don't know if you've thought about this before, but in your troubles, God's number one priority is not your relief. It's conforming you more and more to the image of Jesus Christ. And if you want to know what the ultimate good is that comes out of every single trial, it's that when you walk out of it, your character is shaped just a little more like Christ. Amen. From one degree to another, to another, to another. So that you don't walk out of it proud and boasting in your works or in your own uh, strength or your own abilities, but you go back to the very beginning of this psalm and you find out that you have a song of praise for the Lord. Your soul is boasting in God because He did for you what you could never do for yourself. And then that whets your appetite as you move forward to grow in trust and seeking the Lord with all of your heart. And then it, it, it continues to push you further and further into the fear of the Lord because you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. And as you do that, he just continues to unfold his nearness, his attentiveness, his goodness, so that Psalm 34 really is a continuous cycle for all of life. Isn't that beautiful? Do not miss that as you spend the week working your way through this psalm. Let's pray. Father,
we thank you that you are, um, you are a God who has drawn near to your people through the person and work of Jesus Christ. You have redeemed us and you are redeeming every single trial, every single fear, every single difficulty that we will ever experience And Lord, you are using those as ingredients in our sanctification to conform us more and more into the image and the character of Jesus Christ. Lord, you're exposing the fact that we cannot live this life without you. And so I pray you would give us clarity from this psalm. I pray that you would bless us to be stirred up and instructed in how we might walk closer to you and how we might grow closer to you through the difficulties of life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let's all stand and sing number 204, The Rock Faithful.